Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So just by way of reminder here at City Bible Church, we're here to be helping people connect with God, uh, grow in faith, and share His love. And we want everything that we do uh, to connect uh, with each of those three things, to functionally do each of those three things. And uh, today, I want to start um, what's probably going to be a three-part for now, um, talk on uh, the 23rd Psalm. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got one on your phone, uh, if, you, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jimmy's walking around with some extras. He'll be glad to put a, a Bible in your hand. Um, and if you have an app on your phone, the Wi-Fi password's Real Coffee, R-E-E-L, Coffee. Um, they'll be happy to uh, put one in your hand. So we're going to turn to the, um, the 23rd Psalm today. And we're going to talk a little bit about rest. And I'm starting off with this key thought that you see on the screen. When the Lord is my shepherd, I know rest. Um, probably two times a year, we'll do a series on um, a passage of Scripture that is very common for unbelievers and believers alike to have memorized but that I feel is very important that we understand what it means and how it works, such as the Lord's Prayer, Luke 11, which is actually a power tool that Jesus put in our hands to actually use. Our Father who art in heaven, or as Jesus said it, Daddy God who is in heaven. Um, and, and many of the others. And, but we haven't done the 23rd Psalm, and I want to just dive into it. Uh, does that sound good? Okay, so I'm going to start by putting on the screen uh, from a King James version that you might be a little bit more familiar with. We'll read that first. Uh, I will read it to you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. I want to say, before we go into this, that um, as a couple of the announcements that I made, some of us are having maybe the best week of our life or one of the best weeks of the year. At the same time, I'm very mindful today that there are a few of us here that are having the worst week of the year. Um, and I want you to know that that's not lost on me. Uh, Rebecca and I pray for you every day. And I want you to know that God is with you. You know, in Jabez, in his prayer, one of the last things that he said is, along the lines of, God, help me to be aware of your presence. So as we turn to this psalm, let's ask God for help that we would be aware of his presence. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This little shepherd boy in the picture here, they give us a little bit of a clue as to who's writing this song. David had been a young shepherd boy. And one of my favorite uh, books uh, by Philip Keller is A Shepherd Takes a Look at Psalm 23. Mr. Keller was actually a shepherd in Africa. 
and he writes observations about the 23rd Psalm and what it means to be a shepherd. And has anyone here ever been a shepherd? Really? All right. Okay. Anyone here been responsible to take care of livestock? Okay. Yeah, we got a few. Great. Okay. So some of us would be able to think through what some of these words mean, but most of us, not so much. And so I want to talk a little bit about that, but first I want to talk a little bit about David who's writing this because it's relevant, because the words in scripture are not in a vacuum and they really lack meaning, oomph, power, if we don't understand whom is speaking and to whom and why and what they're saying and what they're talking about. Does that make sense? David was um, the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. And I could talk about that for 45 minutes. He was the youngest of eight brothers. That says something right there. So he was probably not the first shepherd in the family. Probably not even the first shepherd within recent years. Probably had been a shepherd with everybody else's expectations and probably had to do some other people's chores. He spent years taking care of his uh, father's sheep uh, to help support the family. It was an economic thing. It paid the bills. It wasn't just uh, a teenager throwing rocks at lambs. Had responsibility. Uh, By the time he writes this song, he's actually coming towards the end of his life. And so we should think a little bit about his life and what it meant. When he was still young... A prophet came, sought him out, and uh, anointed him or set him apart to be the next king. They'd only had one king so far, so that seemed a little weird. A lot of people liked the current king, Saul, who then got a hold of David and pulled him into his building, his palace, and had him as a musician play music for him. But Saul, in hearing about David being anointed, got jealous and falsely accused him, uh, threw spears at him, literally tried to kill him, falsely accused him, chased him out, and multiple times tried to kill him. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would guess that less than half of us have had somebody try to kill them. Now, I've had death threats back when I was doing gang outreach stuff. But besides that, I've never had anybody really try. Like if the the people that made the threat had really tried, I probably wouldn't be here. I'd probably be in heaven. Okay? David had people that really tried to kill him. And yet, though he was unjustly uh, accused and had to flee, and in fact... Very, very rarely during those years of his life did he have a place he could rest at peace and stay for very long. He had to move around a lot. And yet he didn't respond with revenge and try to kill Saul. In fact, he replied, he responded with the right attitude. And if you haven't yet read A Tale of Three Kings, it's a great little book for you to read, especially if you've ever feel like you've been wounded by an authority figure. A Tale of Three Kings is a great book. So David's been falsely accused, he's been chased, he's gone around, but then Saul dies and he's been anointed to be king. He comes, he's been king for over 30 years. And in in the the course of the 30 years, he chases out the the competitive nations. He, 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 He improves life for everybody. He sets up a place for everyone to worship God. He loves God. He's been known as somebody with a heart after God. And then he kind of cools off, like him and the whole God thing. Cools off to the point where he has an affair, and commits murder 
to cover up his affair. A prophet named Nathan comes and calls him to confess his sin and to repent and to come back to God. David's got a long life story. David repents, he comes back to God, and yet there are consequences in his life. God forgives him, God gives him mercy, God doesn't punish him completely the way that he deserves. He gives him grace, he gives him lots of good that he does not deserve, but there are consequences in David's life for this affair. A child dies, and the second-born Solomon is the one who later becomes king and writes the book of Proverbs and Song of Solomon. But the, the son that is born after Solomon is actually named Nathan after the prophet who called him to repentance. David is king, things are peaceful, he's come back to God. But then another son, Absalom, stands up against him and starts to gather support for him and starts to say, don't you think my dad did that wrong, did this wrong, should have done this different? And Absalom gains so much support that David again has to go on the run. He's got to flee, he's got to run away. He's got a fear for his life. And it's actually while he is running from his son Absalom that he writes this song. Doesn't that sound crazy? In the face of contradiction, in the face of God anointing him to be king, and yet his son rising up against him and chasing him out of the palace, In the face of that, he writes, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In the face of contradiction and pain. Let's go back to the song, and this time, let's go from the new living. Not because it's better, it's just different. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. And in fact, the street language that David used here literally could be defined as like linebackers chasing him down and tackling him to the ground is the way he describes God's goodness and unfailing love pursuing him and overwhelming him in his life all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Just in the next few minutes, I want to comment on a few things. One, it's really important for us to consider that this song is like the satisfied customer song. That's a weird word, right? A weird phrase for it, but it really is. David, he doesn't write a song from the perspective of I'm the shepherd, which would be a perspective that he knows. But he writes the song from the perspective of I'm the sheep. And I'm a satisfied customer. A shepherd owns the sheep, pays for them. In fact, uh, Philip Keller, who writes that book that I referred to, uh, you got to earn your own money. And he bought his first 
30 lambs out of his own money. And when you buy sheep and you start to take care of them, it becomes a part of your identity as the shepherd. But then you mark the sheep so that they know that you're there, you're theirs, and if your sheep mingle with other people's sheep, it's obvious whose are whose. And so the sheep actually take on in their identity who their shepherd is as well. And shepherds would know as they would have neighboring pastures with other shepherds um, that it actually takes a shepherd a lot of hard work and diligent care for a sheep to be happy. In fact, of all livestock, sheep take the most work. Which is why not a lot of people do that. They can get messed up the easiest. They have the most problems. They can be the most stubborn. They can be the most difficult. They require the most care. And even in the cultivation of the pasture and the rotating where they eat in pasture and and leading them to pure water to drink and so many of the things and medical things we don't have time to get into today, they are the most time-sensitive, labor-intensive, Uh, Sheep, they require a ton of care. And a shepherd would know by with neighboring shepherds that a neighboring shepherd might not care about his sheep. And so his sheep might have uh, just kind of weeds to eat from, which cause them to have parasites and cause them to have other issues uh, in their bodies. They might not have enough to eat. They might not be able to gain weight. And, and, And sheep actually need to gain weight actually to be able to milk and to be able to produce wool in the best way possible. So... Um, what makes sheep happy is actually quite labor intensive and shepherds do most of their work um, before the sun comes up and shortly after it's up and we'll talk more about this in the next coming weeks and then they'll kind of take a nap kind of in the middle of the day and then they do a lot of work at night and even during the night in order to care for sheep it's very labor intensive process but David as a shepherd would know what it is for sheep to look at other sheep and say your master's better than mine So David, as like a satisfied customer, and, and some of you have noticed that I don't talk about boycotting a lot of stuff and a lot of negative stuff and criticizing this and get drawn into this, that, and the other trivial issues. And here's why. My perspective from Scripture is that I will attract the most not yet believers in Jesus to come be followers of Jesus if I'm like Jesus who sinners wanted to be around. And I'm okay if judgmental people that call themselves Christian don't want to be around me. What I want is to have true followers of Jesus and not yet Christians want to be around me. So that requires a decent sense of humor, but also really spending time to focus on the good stuff that God has done for me so that whether I'm in pain or diseased or have sleep deprivation or whatever, I can say, God's my shepherd. I have all that I need. As Paul wrote, I have learned to be content in plenty or in lack, when I had a home or when I was homeless. This this inside your guts issue on if I give time to consider what God has actually done for me and how God is caring for me and how God has provided for me and how God is my strength and God is my companion, on top of the fact that He's my owner, If I will give myself to really think about that and ask questions and come to a determination of what I believe, I believe we can come to a place of true joy and strength and peace even in the midst of difficult times. Well, let's think for just a moment. David is very specific with who 
he says is his shepherd. And that's Yahweh God, who described himself as our creator and our redeemer. Well, let's just stop for a second. God created the universe. You know, our nearest star, Alpha Centauri, with our best telescope that's on Earth, we couldn't see Earth from it. Our nearest star. I could go in the backyard and pick up a handful of dirt. I might have less than you do because I live in a row home. But if I, I could pick up a handful of dirt, and in that handful of dirt are billions of microorganisms of which only a small fraction of their function in that dirt is understood by scientists today. And yet God created it. Billions of microorganisms in a handful of dirt. And stars in the universe, to our knowledge, our estimation, our math, our algorithms, that are 250, let me get it right, million times 250 million. Our God created that. And He created us. So I should ask, Does he have the credentials to be my owner? Now, I mean it. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I know I'm sarcastic. I'm not trying to be... I really should ask, does Yahweh God have the credentials to be my owner? How do I come under his control? In what way do I become the object of his concern and diligent care? Psalm 23 is really the psalm of the diligent shepherd. It's a song talking about how good God is and how fat and happy I am because of it. (laughs) So it does beg the question, which is healthy periodically for you to ask yourself, is God my shepherd? One reason why I think Jesus described himself as the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And one reason why Isaiah 53 and the prophecy of Jesus says, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way. And the way that God punished Jesus for our sins so that we could know that freedom is because sheep are an animal, one of the very few animals that by their craving for the, the, the here and now, they'll have their head down chewing on the pasture and they will actually get lost, lose the rest of the flock, lose their shepherd if they're just, oh, this is yummy, oh, and that's yummy, oh, and that's yummy, oh, and that's... You remember the dog in the movie Up? Squirrel! See, sheep are kind of like that. They're kind of, oh, this is yummy, that's yummy, this is yummy, that's yummy. And then they look up and they, they're lost. They're not in their shepherd's pasture. They don't know where the shepherd is. They don't know where the flock is. I think there's a reason that David and Jesus and Isaiah describe us as sheep. Because all of us, by our cravings, by our desires, by our wandering, can choose to wander away from the good shepherd. I I said all, I'm including me. Are you with me? And so from time to time, I think we do need that checkpoint. Is God my shepherd? Now, 
what we see in the beginning of this song too is that he's making a decision statement. Okay? A decision statement. Don't worry, there's no sale going on out there. You're not going to miss anything. All the food will be... Okay. There's this decision statement. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I shall not want. It's literally saying... I choose to not let my cravings take me away from His leadership. There are deep uh, and serious consequences for when we allow our cravings and our desires to lead us away from His leadership. Are you with me? Now, on the flip side of that is this amazing, amazing statement God is my shepherd. I've got all that I need. I have all that I need. He is the good shepherd. He is diligent. I want to just submit to you very quickly that in our nation today, our lack of balance on these four issues may be the reason we don't know if God is our shepherd or not. It's healthy for all humans to have a balance of work, worship. It's a Sabbath principle thing. God rested on the seventh day. Sunday morning, you're here, so you get it. Worship, rest, which is sleep, relaxation, solitude, silence. Work, worship, rest, and play. Now listen, I'm, I'm a parent and I've got a full-time job plus some, and I volunteer in our neighborhood on top of that, I, I get it. But we can be too busy because we choose to be. And we can live in an unhealthy state. And we can allow an unhealthy rhythm of life to cloud our ability to see if God is our shepherd. So we need some help. We need to ask someone else, hey, how's my balance of work, worship, rest, play? Okay. I want to submit to you that on this first phrase, these thoughts just real quick, and then we're going to close in prayer. We are significant not because of what we do, but who we are in Jesus. See, if, if I can say the Lord is my shepherd, that's where my personal significance, my identity, that's where it is. And when I'm at peace and when I'm at joy, and it's not about what I do, and if I understand the gospel, it's not about if I'm having a good month with sin or a bad month with sin. It is who am I? Who bought me? Who paid for me? Who leads me? Who am I choosing to follow? Who I am in Jesus is where I find significance. The Lord is my shepherd, my creator, my redeemer, my owner, my manager, my leader. So Jesus, the good shepherd, gave his life for the sheep. Ben, will you please come and lead us in prayer?